You're listening to a podcast from York City Church. If you like what you hear and you'd like to find out more, please visit our website at www.yorkcitychurch.org.uk. Okay, uh, I want to greet you uh, from the other end of life. Um, 59 this week. Uh, yeah, that's an eternity, isn't it? Uh, just to connect you with my past, uh, there's a song from my past, and the dean at the Minster was singing the other day in the service, so, I serve a risen Saviour, He's in the world today. I know that He is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy, I hear his voice of cheer, and just the time I need him, he's always near. That one's a bit dodgy because he's always there. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. That's all very well for me, isn't it? Christ is risen. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And then I have to go into Messiah for since... By man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all shall be made alive. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Very good. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. Well, that's all very well for me. (laughs) But how does that work? It's all rather subjective, isn't it? It works for me, but what about you? How do we make that happen? I believe that Christ is risen. But why should you believe that Christ is risen? And how can you know him living in your hearts? Well, Paul, in his letter to the Romans, says, Faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. So I'd like you to stand for a reading from Scripture. John chapter 1, 1 to 18. Hear the word of the Lord. In the beginning was the Word, 
And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born, not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. Out of his fullness... We have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please do sit. Seeing is believing. I hope you noticed in the reading all the references to seeing, to hearing, to witnessing, and testifying. No one has ever seen God. Moses knew that. He'd seen the glory of God. And we can read about it in Exodus chapter 33. But God had told him, You cannot see my face, for no one can see me and live. Moses was only allowed to see the back of God as God's glory passed by. But here's something new Jesus is God, veiled in human flesh, God living in a tent among us. John says that Jesus, who is God, in the closest relationship with God, has made God known. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. And John's gospel is full of other statements like that. 
So to know the Father, we have to know Jesus. But how do we get to know Jesus? Well, there were witnesses. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came to bear witness, to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. Now the writer of the fourth gospel loves ambiguity. And in those first verses talking about John, it's not clear whether he means John the Baptist or indeed himself. The writer, John the Evangelist, the voice of the fourth gospel. He's the fourth evangel. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John shows us Jesus. Jesus shows us God. John takes us to the Son. The Son takes us to the Father. This is the heart of evangelism. We proclaim the, the gospel, the evangel, the good news about Jesus. The evangelist takes, that's the evangelist in small letters, takes people to the evangelist in capital letters. And the evangelist in capital letters takes us to Jesus, the Son. And the Son takes us all to the Father. John wrote about this in his first letter. He said, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Notice how John starts that letter very much as he starts his gospel. So seeing, hearing, and touching is believing. But we use the hands, the eyes, and the ears of the apostles, of those who saw. We look through their eyes, and that's how we see. And it isn't just about being able to picture it in our mind. Not everyone's able to do that. Uh, there's a, a condition called aphantasia that I've heard about recently. A friend of mine has it. The inability to actually have a mind's eye to see something in your head. But that isn't what seeing is. Seeing is understanding the gospel. It is connecting with Jesus through the eyewitness accounts of others. Seeing is believing. We're actually going to listen to some more of John's gospel now, but you can sit for that. But I just want us to pray um, this collect, I don't know why, blessed Lord, 
who's caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of thy holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life which thou hast given us in our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. John chapter 20. Are you sitting comfortably? Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped round Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realise that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, 
when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I'll not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. David, are you saying that Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of of his disciples which are not recorded in this book but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name David is that right are you saying that Jesus performed many many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not not recorded in this book but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and in believing, have life in his name. Are you saying that Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and in believing, have life in his name? And he said yes. Thomas, stop disbelieving and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. It's not fair to call him Doubting Thomas, is it? That's the, the highest Christological statement that you can get in the New Testament. My Lord and my God. He's not saying OMG. Uh, no, you, you laugh, but that's what the Jehovah's Witnesses think. He's clearly addressing Jesus as his Lord and his God. He's no longer, 
he never was really a doubting Thomas. He might have been a bit sceptical. But a believing Thomas, surely. Believing Thomas. And Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Well, that's all right for Thomas. If only you'd been there, it would be different, wouldn't it? I don't know if you've read the Gospels lately. Quite a few of us have in another Gospel. Mark. But always there's this theme of having eyes and yet not seeing, having ears and not hearing, and remembering facts. Can you remember lots of Bible facts? But remembering facts, but not understanding. Do you understand about the loaves? Is your heart hardened? Yes, it would have been easy to be there, wouldn't it? Wouldn't you have loved to have been Thomas in that moment? Straight to it, isn't it? Because you've seen me, you've believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. Those who believe because of the testimony of others, Thomas. Yeah, there's a little rebuke there for Thomas, isn't there? The testimony of others. One of the fun things about Read, Mark, Learn is that we we say at the beginning, we're actually not going to look at any other books of the New Testament. And in fact, we're not going to think about church history for the last 2,000 years because we are picking up an account of Jesus and reading it as if for the first time, just like the first people that read the Gospel. And that's the privilege we have this morning. We've just had John tell us about the resurrection, eyewitness testimony. But here, there's a hint of Jesus breaking the fourth wall, isn't there? He's, he's almost conscious of the camera running and that somebody else is going to hear these words. Does that thrill you? I find it amazing. Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet, yet have believed. It's there earlier in John's Gospel, in chapter 17, when Jesus is praying. He's praying for the disciples, but then he says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Jesus prayed for you. He wanted you to hear those words. He prayed that you would believe through the message of John. I wonder if he said, John, make sure you get this one down. And in Mark, we had a similar experience. Uh, Those of who enjoyed Read, Mark, Learn will tell you how much uh, they did and that you must do it too. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what this woman has done in breaking the alabaster jar of ointment 
What she has done will be told in memory of her. Ka-ching, it's just happened again. I hope you got that sense in your group that, wow, it's just happened again. Even Mark, when he says, let the reader understand, it's a bit like the Victorian, how wrong our hero was, gentle reader, you shall presently see. Have you seen those things in the gospel? Have you even read the gospels? Did you not notice them? Those times when Jesus was talking directly to you through reported speech. We're nearly there. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book. I've got a piece of paper here. It lists 37 miracles of Jesus. I think some of them are a bit dubious, but we'll say it's 30-something, high 30s. Um, Eight of them are in John's Gospel, so he's not kidding. There's about 30 other miracles that Jesus did that weren't recorded in his book, but you can find them in the others. So that's your homework for this afternoon. Go and find all 37 in all four... Never mind. Tough crowd. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. These are written. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and in believing have life in his hand. These are written. I don't know if you ever thought about that. If all you had was John's Gospel... Some of you are going, phew, I don't have to read the other 65. Well, if you just had John's Gospel, John says that what he's written is enough for you to have life. It's enough for you to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, why do you want to read any other book? Mark's not bad. These are written. Eight are more than enough. It is a theme of the other Gospels, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. Or another plagiarizer took... The words, I can't say that. I've carefully investigated everything from the beginning and decided to write an orderly account for you so that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. So you may know the certainty of the things that you've been taught. Are you certain of the things you've been taught? Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Hallelujah. Are you certain about that? Amen. Even Peter, in his second letter, writes, I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. And I think that's more than just a hint. 
of his work with John Mark to write the second gospel. I will, in, I will make every effort to see that after my departure you will always be able to remember these things. Do you remember these things? Do they live in your heart? Has faith come to you by hearing the word? Has it? Is it living? Is it, does he live within your heart? I think he does. These things are written so that you may know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Not just facts and figures, how many baskets there were and how many were fed and how many loaves, not just facts and figures, but things that connect you with Jesus. That by believing, you may have life in his name. Now, the Greek is a little bit ambiguous there. Um, It might be, you may come to believe, and it may be, you may continue to believe. Well, I don't think it really matters. I think John would be quite happy with that amount of ambiguity. So, are you struggling in your Christian life. Do you not know that Jesus is always there whenever you need him? Do you not hear his voice? Do you not see his face of cheer? Do you not know he's near? Have you ever known that? Well, if not, these things, these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Or did you get out of bed the wrong side this morning? Are you a believer of Jesus, but it's all gone a bit sort of dull? I mean, it's, it's okay to be here. It's made a little bit better by the Prosecco and the cake. But, huh, got to go back to your humdrum existence. I mean, 59th birthday this week. It's all downhill from here, isn't it, Pete? From the other end of life. As you continue to believe, that, that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And, and as you continue to believe, you will have life in his name. Oh, that city church was a full of the life of Jesus. People coming to know Jesus for the first time. People that have drifted away from Jesus coming back to him. And all of us on fire with love for Jesus. Certainty that we serve a risen Savior who's in the world today. And that we know he's living no matter what people say. No matter what people say. As John himself said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He came to his own, 
but his own did not receive him. Yet. Yet. To all who did receive him, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, because of the testimony of others, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children of God. Children of God. And Thomas said, My Lord and my God. Jesus said, Because you've seen me, you've believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written so that you, so that you, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing have life in his name. Blessed to have believed without seeing. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit with the company of mockers. There's enough of those. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord, in God's word, to which we add John's gospel and the other gospels, whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Are you going to meditate on this day and night? Or is there something you need to get home to watch now? Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.